first reading is from Hebrews, and it can be found on page 1136 in the Church Bibles. And it is in, uh, God is telling us that Jesus is superior to angels. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father? Or again, I will be his father, and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and have hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you, has set you above your companions in anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says... In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment that will be changed. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? This is the word of the Lord. So if you are able, please stand for the gospel, which is taken from John's gospel and will be found on page 1005, starting to read at verse 47. Jesus calls Philip and Nathanael. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Heavenly Father, open our hearts and our minds to hear what it is that you have to say to us this morning. Amen. Please would you be seated. <coughs> okay. Pop trivia. For the 8.45, who are the two artists pictured? And for an extra point, what are the songs? Williams, yeah. 
Angels, yeah. Top one, Annie Lennox was... No, it's not Callie Minogue, Annie Lennox. And the song was... There must be an angel, in brackets, playing with my heart. Okay, very good. The year, have a guess, Annie Lennox. Oh, close, lower, lower. 85, okay, and Robbie Williams. Oh, 97, very good. This is the man you need on your team, <laughs> together with Helen. <laughs> Excellent. Today is the church festival of um, St. Michael and All Angels, so our readings today reflect something of that angelic theme. Well, if nothing else, I guess it's good to be reminded that God's creation extends into realms we know little or nothing about, because actually we really don't know all that much about angels and how much of what the Bible says about them is figurative or to be taken very literally. So broadly speaking, Angels, angelic beings, are part of the created order. They serve God in heaven by assisting and protecting God's people on earth. It is an angel that is sent to shut the mouths of the lions when Daniel is thrown into their den. An angel is sent to free Peter from prison. We're going to be exploring that in Lighthouse later. They are mighty in power and knowledge. They are holy, but they do not receive worship. Exodus 20, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath. And in John's vision in Revelation 19, he falls to his feet to worship an angel that's bringing him the message from God. And the angel's response is, do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Do not worship me, worship God. So they serve before God. They sometimes appear in the Bible as agents of God's judgment and sometimes as messengers and comforters of God, God's people. And actually, you don't have to move very far in Christian circles before you encounter somebody who feels that they have had some kind of an encounter or other with an angel. It may not look as traditionally we imagine angels to look, all harps and wings, um, but there are plenty of people who will attest to having had a very strange encounter with somebody who they thought afterwards, I don't think that was entirely a human person. There's lots of smiles and nods of recognition around here. Go on, raise a hand. This is something interesting to talk about over coffee. If you've ever had an experience that you couldn't explain like that and you just wondered, did I meet a real person there? There's a few of us. Okay, interesting. Okay, so they participate too in the continuous worship of heaven. They rejoice when those who are apart from God repent and return to God. But there's also a lot of myth and folklore around angels, and it does seem that popular culture is quite obsessed with them. A quick check on Amazon, always great source of information and reliable advice, revealed that there are over 10,000 results for books about angels under the category of religion and spirituality, and many of these are not written from a Christian perspective. We have to be a bit careful that we don't incorporate ideas about angels that come from human imagination. Can I have the next slide, please? So this is a sort of, it's not very easy to see, but it's a kind of a collection of angel-related stuff that I kind of trawled up for a quick dredge on the internet. You'll recognize a um, very famous depiction of little, I guess they're cherubs down the bottom there. Angel dog, who knew? Um, and... What's going up at the top there? I think that's a sort of guardian angel type image there. Um, the inscription on there implies, you know, an angel's close to you. I think it's to do with an angel of butterflies, that one. Um, in the middle, we've got a 
healing crystals around an angel. Um, this book, Discover How to Connect, Communicate and Heal with the Angels, The Power of Angels. And down the bottom there, those are angel cards, which I guess is something to do with fortune, destiny, I don't know what. But, um, and then we've got an angel on a tombstone, quite a common sight in a churchyard. So there's a whole load of stuff that as a culture we've kind of built up around angels. So for example, nowhere in the Bible does it mention angels in female form. They are always referred to in the masculine. Nowhere does it say they appear as animals or birds. Nowhere does it say that people become angels when they die. That's a really commonly held myth about angels. Angels are created beings of a separate kind from human beings. Angels don't gain their wings. In fact, only two classes of angels in the Bible are described as having wings, cherubim and seraphim. There's no indication in the Bible that angels age. They don't start out like fat young babies. They exist agelessly with God in something more like an adult form. Gabriel appears to Daniel and then 500 years later to Mary and Zechariah. In the first reading, the writer of Hebrews, which may have been Paul, is at pains to point out that wonderful and powerful though angels are, they are ministering spirits. They're servants of God. And basically, we're not meant to obsess over them. There's nothing created in heaven or on the earth that should take the place of our primary focus on Jesus Christ. And in the second reading, Jesus says a very strange thing to Nathaniel. He uses that mysterious phrase, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. It's a picture of what the incarnation has done. God come down to dwell with us in flesh and blood, one of us in Jesus. Jesus is the bridge or the ladder between humanity and the divine. What was closed off to us is now open through him and he reaches from the highest point of heaven down to the very lowest depths of our weaknesses and our sin. So in Christ there is a way now for all that love to reach down and rescue all who would have it. For those heavenly messengers of God to flow as God bids them between those two once incompatible worlds. Now the description that Jesus uses of angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man would have instantly resonated in Nathaniel's mind because it references the dream that Isaac's son Jacob has in Genesis 28. He sees in his dream a stairway or ladder resting on the earth and stretching up into heaven with the angels of God ascending and descending on it. I guess that's what you get for choosing a rock as your pillow, but there we are. <laughs> And I love this picture um, from the Morgan Picture Bible. Thank you, Tom. That's, um, you can really see the ones going down as well as going up, can't you? Very literal sort of description of the ladder and the angels. And there's um, Jacob asleep at the bottom. So, um, and let's have a look at the next one, which is just an artist's rendering of this idea. So God makes a promise to him then that he's going to give him and his descendants the land that Jacob is lying on that his descendants will be numerous and all the peoples on earth will be blessed by his offspring. So then we have Jesus like that very ladder, the way between heaven and earth by which all might be blessed, which is the final fulfillment promise made to uh, Jacob, that covenant promise. 
And in that second reading too, we hear how when Jesus meets Nathaniel, he reveals how thoroughly he knows him, despite this being Nathaniel's first meeting with Jesus. Not only does he know what he's been doing with his time, when he says, I saw you when you were under the fig tree, that carries with it the understanding that Nathaniel was a faithful student of the faith. He was dedicated to the study of the Jewish scriptures. It was common for people to basically get a bit of shade over themselves and sit there and, uh, and learn. And it also shows that Jesus knows his character because he says, in, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. So he knows Nathaniel really, really well. And he doesn't contradict Nathaniel or correct him when he calls him rabbi, the son of God, the king of Israel. But he uses that strange title, the son of man, about himself. Nathaniel correctly identifies his divinity. Jesus uses a title about himself that also points to his humanity. It is, of course, another angel, the angel Gabriel, who announces to Mary that her baby is going to be the son of God and that his name will be Jesus. God incredibly was going to become a human being and live among human beings, experience all, experiencing all that human beings experience. God would be touchable, incarnate. So thoughts of heaven and angelic beings are enticing and attractive because they point to things not seen, not yet in our experience. The promise of things to come when we too will cross that divide between earth and heaven and worship God as one. But for now, we are firmly grounded. We catch only glimpses of heaven, heavenly things, perhaps in those times and those places in our lives that are spiritually thin, where sometimes it really does seem as if heaven has true. But in our day to day, we're definitely flesh and blood. There's nothing ethereal about us. But that's okay, because the medium that God chose to reveal himself most fully was the human body. As Max Lucado writes, the tongue that called forth the dead was a human one. The hand that touched the leper had dirt under its nails. The feet upon which the woman wept were calloused and dusty. And his tears, oh, don't miss the tears. They came from a heart as broken as yours or mine has ever been. It's a timely reminder for us of both the power and the will of God to punch a hole in heaven and throw open salvation for humanity through Christ. Do you need to know this today? That God is not remote. Jesus knew Nathaniel. He knows you. He knows your circumstances and your situations. We're not alone. Christians partner with the Holy Spirit. We're to look to God for our supply and our sustaining as we live out our calling to reflect the good news in the world. This is God who knows us intimately and takes us on from there. Nathaniel, we know, is a seeker of truth from John 1.45, although he's initially skeptical. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? He's impressed by Jesus' supernatural knowledge of him, and he recognizes that he's found the one that Moses wrote about in the law, as his friend Philip promised he would. Jesus can see his sincerity, and he points him to the bigger picture, to the greater things he will see. Not just the Redeemer of Israel, but the embodied connection for us between heaven and earth, the healer of the rift, 
between God and humanity, the provider of the way back to God. Something a mere angel could never do.